I'm sure all of you have seen a relay race. You know what a relay race is, right? How many of you have actually run a relay race? Oh, there you go, a couple of, all right, that's good. Usually four guys around the field or ladies, okay, four people, four runners, and you have to have a, 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 a baton. Now, this is not a baton. This is a little rolling pin, but it's usually a, a wooden or, or aluminum, you know, cylinder, and uh, you, you run with it. You've got to have one to run. Without a baton, you can't run, number one. Okay, without a baton, you can't run a relay race. And so you run, and when you get your next partner, you actually hand him the baton. He grabs the baton and he takes off. Because without the baton that you pass on to him, he or she cannot run the race. Right? So the baton has to be passed on so that the race can continue. In real life, our lives are like a race. In fact, Paul instructs us in Hebrew 12 to run with endurance the race that is set before us. We all, life is like a race. We are running a race and we want to win. And if you think about life as a race, as a relay race, you're going to find that life is actually a relay race. You know, life is a race. Life is actually a relay race. Why? Because God is the giver of life, right? The Bible says in him we move and live and have our being. So God gives us life. But the knowledge that you have, the skills that you have, you know, a lot of the things that you gather in life, you have gathered from where? It has been handed down to you from the previous generation, isn't it? You are born with certain skills and abilities, and of course, God gives these things to you. But as you grow up, you are being handed a baton from the previous generation. The people that went before you, they're going to hand you some things. They're going to hand you their experience, their knowledge, their values, their beliefs, their principles, and their faith to us. Think about it. Those things that I've mentioned, they were transferred to you from someone else, from a previous generation. Where did this happen? At home, at school, as a teacher was teaching you, you picked up some things. You picked up knowledge, science, history, and so on, but you picked a whole bunch of other things too. At the church, at church you pick up things, at tertiary education, oh, they tell you a lot of stuff at tertiary education philosophy and all sorts of stuff, you know. At workplace, your colleagues know everything about everything and they want to pass it on to you, right? And, and how does it happen? It happens through family and relatives, our relationships, through friends and colleagues, through entertainment. It's amazing how much stuff is passed on to us just through entertainment. Your movies, your music, your plays, through politics. Oh man, that transfers a lot. You pick up a lot over there. Through the news, yeah, you're always learning things and picking up things. And of course, through personal experiences, personal experiences, your joys and your sorrows, your victories and your losses. You learn things, you, you pick up things. And these things and maybe other situations in your life have given you the baton that you hold today. And this baton that was passed on to you has enabled you to run the race. And you run the race with the benefit of the baton that was passed on to you from the previous generation. Now what we did is all of us, as you receive the baton, all of us, 
we evaluated what was passed on to us. And what we did is, and what we do is, we discard some of the things that are passed on to us. And we hold on to some things that are passed on to us. Come on, we'll do it. You learn some things, knowledge, and you say, eh, I don't think so. This I don't like. Oh, this I like. I'm going to keep. And then, of course, as through your own experience, you learn some new things which you add on to your baton of experience. And so we now hold a personal baton with which we are now running the race. This is my baton. If you are alive, you are holding a baton. And so each one of us has this personal baton. And some things in your baton are fixed. Some things are developing. Some things are evolving. And as your life develops, you might even add a few things to your baton. If you are alive, you have a baton. You have a baton of knowledge, a baton of values, of beliefs, of principles, and of faith. And what are you going to do with this baton? Well, in a relay race, you have to pass the baton on to the next generation. You cannot hold on to this forever. You have to pass on. You have to enable the next generation to run their race and give them the benefit of your baton. Amen? Well, among the elements that form your baton, the most important element is your faith. Because your faith determines everything else. You look at the world through the eyes of your faith. What you think about God, what you believe about God, what you know about God, it, it, it shadows everything else. It defines everything else that you look in the world through. And so that is, your faith is the most important thing. And I do hope that for all of us, uh, we know on online listening, those of us sitting over here, I hope that the matter of your faith has been settled. I do hope that your faith is based on a growing relationship with the Lord Jesus. Amen? And not a faith based on, on ritual and, and earthly religions. Now, since this is a series on raising children, and we are uh, today, you know, continuing with our series of Raise Them Up, and it's part three called Pass the Baton. And so since this is a series for, you know, on raising children, and by the way, although I'm talking about raising children, this message is applicable to everyone here. Singles, you know, adults with no children, if you're a parent specifically to you, but to all of us, older folks, and so on. You know why? Because we all are holding a baton, and we are all passing a baton, need to pass a baton. Not only just to our children, because we be the focus of today's message, but you know what? In your everyday life, at work, at play, at home, with your family, we should be passing on our baton to others. We should be enabling, especially those younger than us, to do life with the benefit of our experience. Amen? Help them to have a better life than we did. Than we did. Help the next generation do better than the generation that has gone before. So this message is for all of us, although today it is specific application for, uh, for parents. Now, 
And I bring this matter of passing the baton because the most significant place where we are to pass our baton is in the home to our children. Amen? And I tell you, this, 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 there are many satisfying things on this earth. There are many challenging things on this earth. But passing the baton to our children is the most challenging thing to do and the most satisfying thing to do if we cannot get it right. Amen? And that's all to encourage you, parents. Is it easy? No. Can it be done? Can it be done? Yes. Is it worth it? Totally. Huh? As statistics show, the biggest cause of a breakdown in society is a breakdown in the home. And this could largely be avoided if husbands and wives would just follow the principles of the God who originated marriage, families, and homes. The God of the Bible. That's the simplest solution. But so many people ignore that. They want to do things on their own. And then if there is trouble, then they run to some higher power, you know. But the fact is this, that that is the foundation. Over 3,000 years ago, in fact, more like 3,270 years ago, Moses, he gave his last speech to the people of Israel. Just before they entered the promised land. Moses was 120 years old. He was about to die. And, and he knew it. He knew the end had come. And so he gathered the people together and he gave them his last uh, uh, speech. He had seen a whole generation die in the desert because they disobeyed God. They did not believe in God, did not have faith in God, and so they died in the desert. He saw a whole generation die there. Now he's got a whole new generation in front of him. These people are going to go into the promised land. So he wants to instruct them. He wants to remind them of the laws of God, the principles of God, so that they will not make the mistakes of the previous generation, that they can enter the promised land and succeed over there. Don't repeat the mistakes of the previous guy. Learn, I'm passing the baton to you now, guys. Take this now and enter the promised land. Run the race. And among the many things that he said, he said the following. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Listen to what he said. He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Until today, people, the uh, devoted Jewish people, they pray this phrase every day, twice a day, in the morning. And in the evening, what I'm about to read to you is part of the Shema. It is the, the daily Jewish prayer. They, they quote this portion and a few others, and, and it's a little prayer they make every single day. And they remembered from what Moses said. And they've been doing it. They did it, and they're still doing it today. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Does that sound familiar? Who repeated this for us to do? Jesus. He did it. He showed us and instructed us. You shall love the Lord your God. With all your soul, with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your strength. In other words, with your spirit, soul, and body, your whole being. Love God with your whole being. And these words which I command you today, now listen. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. What did David say? Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. If there is one thing the devil wants to do today in our generation, to you and to your children, is to get the word of God out of your heart. To keep you entertained, keep you busy, keep you stuck on these little phones of yours, doing all sorts of nonsense that you don't get to the word of God and don't hide the word of God in your heart. The world says, forget the word of God, man. You don't need it. Uh Uh-uh. Keep it in your heart so that you may not sin against God, that it may go well with you in life. And then he says, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently. You shall teach them. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Huh? You shall teach them to, so he's talking to parents here now, fathers and mothers. You shall teach them to your children. Hear that, fathers? Hear that, mothers? You shall teach your children the things of God. Thou shalt not just send them to church and hope they teach them something. It's very good to send them to church. And if you come to this church, we've got a fantastic kids' church team here in the backyard. They teach your children every Sunday. We're breaking summer. We're breaking winter like right now. But I've got a fantastic bunch of dedicated people, and they're not here to entertain your kids. They are to teach your kids the word of God. Amen? But it's not up to them to do the whole job. They are to complement what you are already doing at home. Hello? Teach, you shall teach them diligently to your children, the word of God. You shall talk to them when you sit in your home, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them, the word of God, on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So what Moses does here, he lays a foundation. Two things as the foundation. Believe, rely on God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In other words, it it starts with the understanding of who God is. The one God, the God of the Bible, the God who created heaven and earth, the almighty God. Believe in God, but not just believe that there's a God out there. He says, our God. This denotes relationship. Have a relationship with God. Don't have God as a distant being. Our God. Our God. And then, of course, love God. That's the part of the foundation. Don't just believe that there is a God, but then he's, he's distant to you and you don't have the relationship. No, love God. Love God practically. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. So those, that's the foundation. And then he brings in the principles. Teach your own children. This is your job, parents. It's not the primary job of the kids' church or the tutor or, or, or the kids or the, the teachers there at school. If, you're, if you happen to be in a, in a school which has a, you know, Christian foundations, maybe they've got assemblies there. Maybe they do Bible study or singing or they've got preachers coming in. That is good. 
but don't leave it up to them. We as parents must be involved. We must be the ones making sure they are being taught. Amen? Ultimately, you as a parent, you have to take the responsibility. Everything else, although important, is a supplement. The church, the school, kids' church, whatever else is happening, those are supplements. The core is you as a parent at home. And then teach them diligently. Listen, the world is diligently teaching our children their agenda. Evolution, immorality, who knows what else? They are diligently teaching your kids, infiltrating the schools. There's again, you know, things happening in terms of school syllabus, sex education and stuff. They, they are doing their best. They are being diligent to teach their agenda to your kids. And if we as parents, if we are not diligent to teach the word of God and bring in truth, you're going to lose them. Teach them diligently. And then teach them in real life settings. The responsibility to teach God's uh, law and truth to children goes beyond the Sunday morning uh, service or the school devotions. Moses instructed these right parents to regularly talk about the Lord with their children, incorporating spiritual discussions into their everyday lives. So as you do life, you, you notice these things and you bring up conversation about the Lord and about your faith. Parents were instructed and encouraged to integrate biblical instruction into the natural flow of the day. And not limited to just a short devotional time before they go to bed. That is good, but it shouldn't be the only thing. Understand? So Moses envisioned the type of discipleship that happened while walking and engaging in ordinary life events. Hmm. So it's a, it's, it becomes a natural part of everyday life. Discipleship becomes a regular part of your day. Use visual reminders of your faith. You know, that the thing I was talking about, binding and all that kind of, you know, the, the Jewish people, they have their own, they have their own things which God told them to do. They try tie knots on their garments and, and those things reminded them of the word of God. And they had all sorts of symbols which they use and still use. And those things are not just fancy dress. They are there to remind them of certain principles and, and laws and so forth. Remind them of the word of God. And we should do the same. In fact, we do, don't we? So use visuals, like things like Christian art, symbols, jewelry, music, movies, practical everyday things which point to our faith. Now, now be very careful. Some people have this beautiful Bible uh, open there at home, or, or they've got a beautiful cross or, or, or whatever, a you know, Christian symbol, and they've got it there, you know what, for good luck, to keep the spirits away. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Christian art and Christian symbols are not there for good luck. It's not a good luck charm. It's there to remind you of your faith. To remind you of the word of God. When you look at that cup, when you look at that piece of jewelry, oh yes, my God, yes, my faith. Remember a particular Bible verse. A particular phrase or a, or a, or a principle that's important to you. Amen. Don't use it as a good luck thing, please. 
That's nonsense. It's a reminder of your faith. So, in summary, in the end, the way we personally connect with God as individuals and as parents demonstrates through our words and actions what we do through our own lives as a greater impact on our children than years of attending uh, Sunday sermons or participating in church events. While these activities are important and can contribute to our spiritual growth, true discipleship goes beyond occasional or weekly experiences. Discipleship is about living out our faith every day. And that's what I said. It's important to parents, but it's important to all of us, isn't it? Because you may not be a parent, and you may be somewhere else, your children are not there. But the way you live in your life can help others learn something about your faith. You can pass on the baton of your faith to friends in school, to friends at work, friends in the gym, friends wherever, by living out your faith. When they see how you're living out your life, they say, hey, but you, you, you're a little bit different. You're a bit weird, man. What, 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 what? And you can share with them, yeah. I've got a relationship with God, man. I'm at peace because I love Jesus. Yeah, and, and you can share your faith, all right? Discipleship begins with modeling in the home. If a child sees a parent reading their Bible regularly, it shows the value placed on God's word. And they begin to think, huh, if it's important to my parents, maybe it's important. Maybe I should do it as well. So model reading the Bible. Model praying. Praying at home. Praying in a public place. Like when you go out for a military restaurant, give hands together and pray as a family. In the restaurant, in front of everybody, yes. Why? Because for us, it's normal. We are not ashamed, are we? And that in itself can be a testimony, can be a conversation starter, can point somebody else in that restaurant to Jesus without you knowing. And all you're doing is you're just discipling your family. And in the meantime, you can be speaking to somebody else. We've experienced this, dear and I. So do that. By modeling, you are showing what is of value in your life and you're passing it on to your children. So God has commissioned his people to teach subsequent generations who he is and what it means to love him. As the primary disciple of my children, I should live out my faith in word and deed, not just on Sundays. Model coming to church regularly. Model praying. Model all those things. But you see, I do it because I'm living out my faith. So you as parent, you as the primary disciple of your children, you should live out your faith in word and deed every day and not just on Sundays. Amen? We, we're going to have communion now. And I'm going to ask the ashes, please, to, to go ahead and uh, distribute the cups while I carry on speaking. And uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, we should use visual reminders of our faith. What you're about to do right now, communion, is one of the greatest, you know, powerful visual reminders of our faith. It is a time that we can 
remind ourselves of our faith. But it is also a time, if you've got children, it is also a time that you can teach children. Parents can teach children about their faith. Because kids will be around you and, you know, they'll come to an age where they'll say, they'll see what you're doing and, and maybe you're sharing it with them because in church we encourage parents to share communion with the kids. And there'll come a time where they're going to say, Dad, what, what, Mom, what's this? Why, why are you guys taking that little, you know, what's the point of eating that little piece of bread? Are you listening? Okay. As you take things, just keep on listening as they keep on going, okay? All right. The kids will say, what, what's the point of having that, that little piece of dry bread, man, not even jam and butter on it? Huh? Yeah. What's the point? And then, then that little bit of juice. Why? 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 Why do we do it, people? And it's a good opportunity to share. Because this little dry piece of bread here and this little bit of juice actually reminds us of the love of Jesus. You see, none of us, no matter how good we are, none of us are good enough to go into God's heaven. God's heaven is perfect. And nobody, not even the best kid here today, is good enough to go to God's heaven. And so Jesus came to pay the price of the sins of everybody in the world. And the price was his own death. His own death. He would have to be killed by being nailed to a cross. And so the bread, that little piece of dry bread, that bread is a reminder of his body which was hurt for us. So we could go to heaven. Being hurt is not fun, okay? Being nailed, being whooped, and being hurt is not fun. And that's why we don't have butter and jam on that bread. Because that bread reminds us of the body of Jesus being hurt. Being hurt is not fun. And this is a piece of not fun bread. And we're eating a piece of not fun bread to remind us of the not fun time that Jesus had on the cross. Because he loved us to die for us. Right? The juice reminds us of the blood that was poured. That came out of those cuts and bruises on the body of Jesus. In the Old Testament, the Jews would sacrifice a lamb. And the blood of that lamb would cover their sins for a whole year. When Jesus died, he paid for all our sins forever. No more sacrifice. Blood of Jesus covered forever. And so when we drink this juice, we are reminded of the love of Jesus. The price he paid that we could be forgiven of our sins forever. So communion reminds us of the love of Jesus. It reminds us of what happened that Easter weekend in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. But as painful as this memory is, you remember the, the body hurt of Jesus and the blood that flowed out, as painful as that is, it's not the end of the story. Because on Friday, the body of Jesus was hurt, was nailed to the cross, was buried. But on Sunday, when they went to his tomb, the tomb was empty because Jesus was raised from the dead. He was alive. 
And for 40 days, he spent time with the disciples and he ate with them and he talked to them. And then he went up to heaven. And he is alive today in heaven. And one day, he's going to come back to earth. But until then, he told us to keep on having this strange little meal. Eating this haha bread. This not fun bread. To remind us of his not fun time on the cross. Eating this little, drinking this little bit of juice here. To remind us of his blood that covered our sins forever. All of our sins. That we can have access to him. To remind us of his love for us. Amen. And so, as we have communion today, let us also declare our love for God. God loved us. He sent us Jesus. Jesus loved us. He gave us his life. So let us love God back. Love God with all our heart all our mind with all our strength you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength so let us stand up together and let's enjoy communion let us pray lord jesus we as we take this bread today we remember of that not fun time that you had lord as you died on the cross and so as we have this piece of dry bread of not fun bread we remember, Lord Jesus, what you suffered for us. And we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love, Lord. Amen. Take and eat. Let us pray. And Lord, as we look at this juice and as we drink this juice just now, we are reminded of the blood, of your blood, Lord Jesus, that flowed from those wounds. And thank you, Lord, that that blood paid the price of all our sins forever, Lord. That because we believe in you and we love you, we can go to heaven one day. We are accepted by God the Father. Thank you for your love, Lord Jesus. We rejoice in you and we thank you as we drink it now. Amen. Take and drink. Amen. Such a simple visual, a simple act, but so powerful. Remember it. Talk about it. Explain it. Remind yourselves. Talk to your children. Talk to others. Just make sure and remember that um, we, everything we do should help us to teach our children and disciple them in the way of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close in prayer. Men, we'll see you Friday night, 6.30. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So, Lord, we thank you for this time together, Lord God. Help us to take this message home, either as, as parents or as just Christians, Lord God. Wherever we go, help us to pass the baton of our faith to those around us at work, at school, at play, wherever we find ourselves. Help us, Father God, never to be ashamed of who you are in Christ. Never to be ashamed of our God, Lord God. And to be able to tell others and show others and share with others what we believe and why we believe. Thank you for this time of communion, Lord God. Thank you for the reminder of your great love for us and thank you for the access we have to heaven, Lord God. The hope that we have that Jesus is coming back one day, Lord, and we are ready, Lord. We'll continue to serve you until that day, Lord, and to pass on this message, to pass on the baton to until you come. I pray for every parent, every parent of small children here watching online, 
listening, Lord God, is specifically in these challenging days. Help the parents, my God, to have your wisdom and your grace and your insight to pass their faith onto their children, Father God, that we may see an, the, the rising generation rising up strong in Jesus, strong in Christ, becoming the strong church leaders of tomorrow, Father God, for your glory and honor, we pray. Thank you for this time together, Lord. And now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, folks. Let's go and let's pass on the baton. Amen. God bless you. Amen.